Hey guys, Professor Dex here talking with you about what to do with your kinesiology degree. Today we sit down with Allie, who's a D1 strength and conditioning coach at Kansas University. We talk about the journey to her senior year of college where she finally made the choice to pursue strength and conditioning full time and how networking and making connections has landed her the career she loves today. Allie's amazing and she has a great story and advice for those wanting to work with college and professional athletes. Hello? You there? I'm here. Can you hear me? <laughs> yeah, I can hear you just fine. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. This is awesome. cool, pretty pretty cool little tool you got here. Yeah, I know. It's super awesome. So we get to use this app called Anchor and it just kind of mutes out all the outside noise. You actually get some pretty good audio. Um, and you know, I'm not, you know, when you're a faculty member, it's not like you're making the big bucks. So it's a nice tool to use and let students, you know, listen to a podcast and learn a little bit, hopefully what else they can do with a kinesiology degree. Awesome. Sounds like a, a great cause and I'm just happy to happy to help out in any way. No, well, thank you so much. I seriously really appreciate you. I'm, you know, I'm kind of a random stranger reaching out to you, but I really wanted to, you know, I wanted someone in strength and conditioning, D1 sports, pro sports, something like that. And I was like, you know what, I really want to get a female just because it's such a male dominant profession and really you and you know few other females out there are kind of pioneering and leading the way as you know high-end strength and conditioning professionals yeah sure totally understand and uh i know i feel i probably speak for a lot of the other females in this profession i think we feel um you know, fortunate to be where we are, but we still have a lot of work to do in terms of getting more females into the profession. Yeah. So that's awesome. So that's really kind of what I wanted to convey. Cause I feel like sometimes, you know, especially with kinesiology, it's like PT, PA, like, and we forget about all these other different routes we can go and, you know, strength and conditioning, especially being one of them. For sure. So I guess we'll just kind of jump right into it. Kind of wanted to know a little bit, you know, what's your background what do you do today I've kind of alluded to it a little bit and kind of you know how have you gotten there yeah so um I actually was born and raised in California so shout out to uh, (laughs) shout out to my California people um I played you know all sports growing up was actually pretty bummed when I had to specialize and pick just one but um picked soccer and was fortunate enough to play at the collegiate level. I went to uh, Duke University and played college soccer there. And um, while I was there, I was really interested in sports science and analytics and research. And I was like, how could I ever make this a profession? So every Mm -hmm. summer, it seemed like I would try a different path. I would get an internship doing something slightly different. So one year, I had an internship at a PT clinic and I was like, man, this is awesome, but I really want to work with a younger population, a healthy population um, Mm -hmm. on the the performance side. So then the next summer I got an internship at a um, company called Sparta Performance Science out of Menlo Park and they do force plate testing and um, uh, their their software is something that we actually use here at Kansas. Nice. Um, so they were working with an elite population of professional athletes and um, definitely on a, a smaller scale. And so I was like, well, maybe that that could be something I do. But I just mm-hmm. as an athlete and being on a team my whole life, I, I just 
loved being a part of that bigger team culture. Mm-hmm. So um, I think was the winter break after my senior season, I came home and I was trying to figure out what to do with my life. And <laughs> I actually met up with some of my colleagues at Sparta and one of them uh-huh. was like, Hey, have you thought about, you know, being a strength coach? And I was like, no, mm, no, but they urged me to go intern in the Duke weight room, which I did uh-huh. my, my senior spring. And I just fell in love with it. It was an opportunity to stay involved in a team setting while working with athletes at a high level, sports science and analytics that went along with it. So it was like this perfect, you know, combination of all the things that I was really passionate about. And I just, I was like, I can't imagine myself doing anything else. So I kind of ran with it. Yeah. So, so then from there you enter, you know, it's interesting. We all expect kind of students like pick your major by 18 years old. You should know what you want to do with the rest of your life when, that's not the case. Um, yeah, not at all. <laughs> not so, at all. So yeah, going into your, uh, you know, spring semester of your senior year, you started to intern. And then what did life look like after that in order for you to kind of get to where you're at, you know, at Kansas as, you know, D1 strength coach? Yeah. So, you know, they say it's, it's not about what you know, it's about who you know, a lot yeah. of times. Um, so yeah, you know, I had one semester left in college and I had no idea what I wanted to do. So, um, I interned in the weight room, um, which was a great experience. And I was honestly looking into just getting a different strength and conditioning internship as soon as I graduated. Mm -hmm. But, um, the people at Sparta were like, Hey, uh, we work with Kansas. They're actually one of, they were one of our our first partners and they're, they're looking to hire a graduate assistant. And so I was one of the very fortunate few who can get a graduate assistantship right out of their undergraduate experience. Uh-huh. So I packed up my car in North Carolina, took my little Prius and drove yeah. right out. I have a Prius <laughs> I know, too, I know. yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know people out here don't understand, but the Prius life is real. Um, and I uh, drove right to Lawrence, Kansas, where I've been. So I was here for two years as a graduate assistant and did mm-hmm. my master's did my thesis. And then, um, again, I was in this situation where I was like, okay, well, what's the next step? I got to get a full-time strength and conditioning job. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was lucky enough that a full-time position opened up here right as I was graduating and they hired me on full-time. That's awesome. So what, so in this process, you know, you went to grad school, I saw evolutionary anthropology is what you majored in. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So tell me a little bit, like, did you go, because we obviously know you need a CSCS to, you know, from the NSCA to start doing strength and conditioning. Where was that in your process between undergrad, graduation, being in your master's and everything like that? Yeah. So like you said, I, I have this degree in evolutionary anthropology, which is in large part due to the fact that Duke just didn't offer an exercise science or a health and, you know, one of those more traditional strength conditioning or kinesiology type degrees. Um, But it was a degree that did allow me to take, you know, some orthopedic biomechanics and anatomy and physiology type courses. So it actually ended up working out, but 
um, yeah, I basically graduated in May and I was told that by the time I got to Kansas in June, mm-hmm. I needed to be certified. Yeah. <laughs> so in two weeks, I read the NSCA essentials textbook front mm-hmm. to co- uh, cover to cover and took the exam and got certified. And yeah. um, that was not a route that I would probably recommend. <laughs> I would definitely take more time to um, study for the test and, and really absorb the material. But, uh, you know, in, in essence, if you've been taking kinesiology type classes or you've been interning, a lot of the stuff is stuff that you've been around. So, yeah, um, I kind of had a head start there. No, that's awesome. And so, you know, we've kind of covered why you chose this profession, you know, um, over others and everything like that. What was really interesting, actually, when you said is, being a physical therapy office saying that you wanted to work with more of a healthy younger population um, because a lot of people, you know, we want to be physical therapists and we want to work with, you know, injured athletes because a lot of us as athletes went through physical therapy. Um, Can you describe a little bit like kind of what's, what was your experience interning with PT and then versus being in the setting that you're in now? Sure. So like you said, I didn't really know what the avenues were to be mm-hmm. involved in, you know, kind of this, um, you know, kinesiology type profession. And so I was like, yeah, PT, my uncle's a PT. He does really cool things. I, mm-hmm. I see him on the sidelines at games. Like I've worked with them myself. This would be awesome. But what I didn't realize was, um, one, how um, probably – the, the well, I, let me start over. The the healthy elite performing athlete population mm-hmm. is a very small percentage of what PTs work with on a day to day basis, especially in a um, private sector. Mm-hmm. Just because they've got to pay the bills, and mostly what pays the bills are the people that are chronically injured, and those tend to be um, an older population. Yeah, but or the weekend warrior type people that can afford to pay for PT out of pocket, right? Exactly. <laughs> um, so, um, no, that's not to say that there aren't PTs that work with professional teams or work with collegiate teams. And that would definitely have been something I would have been interested in. Mm-hmm. But I still just had this, like, urge to work with people that were trying to reach the pinnacle and peak of their performance and were already on the cusp of it. Yeah. So. I wasn't trying to get them back to something. I wanted to take them to the next level of something. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, and I always had in my mind that I'd be working with professional population. But ultimately, I was like, you know what? The By the time you're a professional, you you are you know a lot of this stuff already. So I found that this this niche where I am right now in the cleat sector is a great place to be because I'm taking athletes who know a lot but Mm -hmm. they're not there yet there's still so much to get them better at what they do before they can get to that next level nice that's awesome so you know being in the setting that you're at now what what does that typical work day look like what's the work-life balance kind of well depends on the you know the time of year we're in we're not um we don't have a typical nine to five obviously (laughs) yeah but you know if we're talking about the average day in season in in during the school year I'd say we probably get to the office around 5 30 in the morning mm-hmm. we'll have a first team around 6 or 6 30 and then we'll have a, a couple back-to-back teams in that mm-hmm. morning 
period. So we'll probably finish around nine, nine thirty. At that point, we, you know, we'll meet with sport coaches. We have staff development. We might go and do um, some training of our own, mm-hmm. um, kind of more of an administrative role at that point, and just, you know, get office work done. And then the afternoon, once classes are finished, we'll have another span of three to four hours where we have our teams come in and, you know, back-to-back-to-back sessions. Got it. And then, and then it's going to practice and you know, we have week, we work weekends, obviously, because our teams are, are playing and we're supporting them in terms of warm up and cool down and recovery and all that. So yeah, it's not a typical nine to five. So work life balance in that sense is, is tough. But I would say that there's a lot more flexibility within the day. So mm-hmm. um, our staff is great. Like if you need to get out of the office to go let your dog out or you have to go pick up a kid from work. We can do that kind of in the middle of the day when there's some downtime. Got it. And um, a lot of us have busier times of year. So like I work with um, our soccer team. So Mm -hmm. right now this is a really busy time of year for me. Yeah. But, you know, maybe in, in the later spring, it's not as busy because they're all home for, the holidays or for summer break. So yeah. it's kind of an ebb and flow. And, and I think that it's a balance between, you know, this is what I want to do. This is why I got into it. It's not a traditional job. Yeah. I don't know if it's sustainable when you're, you know, uh, with a family of five and you're, you're getting older, but um, for right now, it's, it's, it's just so much fun. And um, I don't, I'm never, I don't feel burned out or the need to take that typical holiday that Mm -hmm. you might, if you had a typical desk job. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you don't really work. It sounds like you show up to an activity that you love to do every single day. Absolutely. It's, you know, that it's such a cliche, um, but it's not work if, if you love what you do and you, you get to do that on a daily basis. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, exactly. Um, so kind of we'll wrap up here, like the last two questions, but one is kind of like, how do you use your skills? Like what brings you, you know, joy out of your job? Or like, how do you like really impact others? Cause I know when you make an impact, you, you're obviously happy about that. So like kind of describe that a little bit. I didn't do a good job of explaining that, but no, 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 no. <laughs> I think I know where you're, where you're going. Um, so we, in the, in our weight room and our um, sports performance culture that, you know, our department that we're running here, we like to say that the weight room is much more than a place to lift weights. Mm -hmm. We are trying to create a learning environment because ultimately it's a place where we can practice um, deliberate repetitions and get better mentally and physically at things that are going to then apply to our sport, but we can do them in a lower stress environment, uh, not a lower intensity environment, but mm-hmm. a, a lower stress environment because there's no win or loss attached to it. Yeah. So what we like to tell our athletes is as soon as you walk in the door, be ready to learn. Yeah. This is a learning environment and we are there to support you. We don't care as much about whether or not you win or lose on the field. We want you to become better people, better athletes, and better teammates. So I think that's ultimately the the crux of, um, of what we do and what 
really drives each and one, each one of us as sports performance coaches is creating relationships with the athlete, showing them that we're there and motivating them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but being teachers, I think is, is the big thing that really gets us up in the morning and, um, and motivates us is again, this is a, an opportunity where we can, we have so much interaction with the student athlete. And if we can create lasting relationships with them, we are, um, we're there, we're supporting them every step of the way. Um, just, I, I'll tell you like one of the most rewarding feelings in the whole world is having an athlete come in day one, freshman year. They don't even know what a barbell is. <laughs> they, they are, you know, just totally overwhelmed and they leave as a senior and they're, you can just see, they just exude confidence Yeah. because w- with strength, physical strength and mental strength comes confidence and um, like there's just a light bulb that goes off and they finally understand a skill or something because a lot of them, unlike um, their sport. So they've been practicing their sport their entire lives yeah. by the time that we, we get them. Right. But a lot of them haven't been to the weight room. So that's a completely new component in, a, in an area where they can make drastic improvements very quickly. Yeah. And I think that's why it's so, so um, cool to see the, the, the huge leaps and bounds they make in a very short amount of time. Um, but yeah, just, just being able to teach them every day and, and having them understand that what we do is so much, so much more than picking things up and putting them down. <laughs> That's awesome. So the last question to kind of wrap up, you know, what's your advice, especially, you know, being female in the saying that you're at, you know, any tips for students as they, you know, pursue maybe this profession or this career, any maybe hurdles you might've had to overcome or, you know, just general tips that, you know, really helped you on your path. Sure. I think it's, uh, there, there are a lot of great, great, um, great tips I could, I could give probably, (laughs) but the biggest one I would say is to network. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure everybody's heard that a million times, but honestly, I didn't know it was true until I got to where I am now is we love when people reach out to us and want to learn more about our profession because of what you said, it's, it's kind of new. It's um, maybe a little bit under, not as understood as some of the more traditional ones like physical therapists and stuff. Mm -hmm. So when we get emails from students saying, Hey, I would love to just come shadow or can you set up a time where we can talk on the phone? Mm -hmm. That is so cool. And I'll tell you as a young strength coach in particular, I jump at those opportunities because I want to help. So I would say, don't be, um, don't shy away from just reaching out because you think that that person won't have time to answer your questions. And if you, if you don't hear a response, you know, try again or find somebody else, yeah. reach out on, on social media, get your hands on as many resources and, and, um, articles and podcasts and all that stuff as you can, but there's just no substitute for picking up the phone, going and meeting people, getting your name out there, because honestly it is who, you know, mm-hmm. and the more times you get your name and face in front of the right people, they'll start thinking of you when they have an opportunity that comes up. Yeah, no, Ali, that's awesome. That's fantastic. Um, That's all my questions. And I really appreciate you taking the time. Like I said, I just reached out to you, I think late last week. And so, you know, that's what happens when you reach out to someone. I really appreciate you taking the time to hang out and talk and 
let some students know a little bit about your profession, your career, and, you know, a little bit into your life as well. Yeah, absolutely. Anything I can do and feel free to give your students my, um, my contact information. It's, I'm sure it's up on the website, um, here at Kansas, but I'd love to, you know, help out, help out in any way and answer any questions. And, um, I'm an open book, so feel free to, feel free to reach out anytime. Awesome. Thanks, Allie. We'll talk to you later. Sounds good. Thanks, Josh. Bye. Bye.